ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my purpose girls. I want to share a dream with you. When I was in high school, I started writing poetry. And I would write so much poetry. I would write beautiful love poetry for my girlfriend at the time. I would write dark poetry about God, who even knows or remembers. But it was dark. It was like eerie. And I freaking loved it. It was like a part of me. And when I went to college, I wanted to take creative writing classes. I told my dad, I'm going to be a writer. And he's like, writers don't make any money. I felt so defeated. Writers don't make any money. And that sat with me. Like maybe you have a dream that someone has, even with love, like my dad so said it with love, Because, of course, he worried about me. He didn't want me in his basement at 45 years old, right? Still living with him or not be able to pay my bills. But those dreams that we squash. And so what today's episode of the Purpose Girl podcast is all about is actually how your dreams are meant to come true. Is how if you have a dream, then I guarantee that it's meant to happen. And I'm going to share with you how that dream of being a writer just came to fruition this week. And that I'm blowing it out of the water. That old myth that dreams don't come true or writers can't make money or whatever it is. Because I want you to realize and learn how to actually womanifest. Yes, not just manifest, but womanifest your own dreams. Because they're meant to happen. Welcome to this episode of the Purpose Girl Podcast. All right, so let's begin with a huge announcement. Okay, huge. I'm so excited. My book is finally out. Okay, like there is a beautiful book published by a publisher with my name on it that I'm so proud of. And it is out in the world. It's like my book baby being out in the world. Available now. I am like over the moon. It's called Wonderful You, a hundred inspirational quotes for a little pop of joy. And I keep hearing from people that it is exactly what they need right now. I've had several people tell me that they're keeping it on their nightstand to have inspiration in the morning during a difficult time. People are telling me that they're reading it like an oracle. What do I need to know today? Because the book, the quotes in there are sassy and edgy and fun and inspiring and motivating. And there's lots of positive psychology tools and tips that I wrote to get you fired up and to get you in a place of joy and to get you in a place of bouncing back. And I am like beyond, I am beyond honored and humbled and grateful by the response. In fact, I almost thought, oh, it's not a good time to come out with a book during COVID about joy, an inspirational quote book during COVID. And my best friend said to me, 
Are you kidding? That is what I want to read every single day right now. Like, I need that, right? She has her two teenage boys. She's working full time. Like, she's trying to do everything. And she said, that is what I need right now. And I was like, you are so right, right? It's like positive psychology is everything I tell you. I guess I had a moment of self-doubt or a moment of fear. But the truth is, I'm so proud because this is exactly when we need that pop of joy. And I want to share with you how this dream came true of being a published author. Because it didn't look like I thought it would look. And it came about in the craziest way. It came about because I was steadfast in my dream of being a published author. And that's what I want you to take away, that when you are steadfast in your dream, when you stand in that belief, in that knowing that it is meant to happen, you may not know how. You probably won't. It's going to happen in a way that you can't even imagine. (laughs) But it will happen. So let's go back to that time in college. When I started taking creative writing courses, And my first creative writing professor constantly told me what a great writer I was. He would praise my stories, praise my poetry. It was like I felt like I had come home. And I loved it. In fact, I was so into the poetry I was writing. I was writing very dark poetry. At the time in college, no one knew that I had had a girlfriend in high school. No one knew that she had abused me, that she would hit me. And so all my friends in college just thought I was, you know, like a, a straight, normal, quote unquote, girl, right? But I would write this very dark poetry, actually, about my first love, about my high school love who abused me. And I was so into it that I would actually gather some of my friends, my like sorority friends around me so I could do poetry readings and read this dark stuff. And it was like, I just knew I loved writing and I loved having an audience for my writing and I loved, you know, evoking emotion in people. But I kept it in my mind, writers don't make any money. I thought, well, this is silly. You can't be a poet, right? I'm probably not even that good and it's not going to work out. And I just convinced myself. I had a very practical boyfriend at the time who... I'm sure we talked about that the writing is not going to work out. Even though he loved to listen to me read poetry, it wasn't a career. And I don't want to blame him for that. I kept saying that to myself. I started believing that. And then that led me away from my first love, my first dream of writing. And then I got married right out of college. And I remember I would go sometimes to Barnes & Noble or to Borders. And I would sit in the self-help section. And I would put my fingers over the book binds where all the names were, right where Rockind would go. And I would imagine my book being there. And then I would sit on the floor and cry. I sometimes sat in a Barnes & Noble store I remember there was one, I was married at the time, I was probably 24, 25, and I would sit on the floor and I cried for hours, my heart aching that I was never going to be an author, I was never going to be like these people. And then I would kind of dust myself off and say, well, I don't really need that dream, and well, what's my husband doing right now, what are my friends doing right now? 
What can I do for work? How can I get a promotion at work? What else can I do? And I would shove it down, shove down the dream. Have you ever done that? Have you ever shoved down a dream? You told yourself that it's silly. And it could be a dream like you want to get a motorcycle. Oh, it's irresponsible. I can't do that. BS, of course you can. But we shove it down. Or maybe you had a dream of singing and you think, well, I'm not Beyonce. I'll probably never make it. Gosh, I've talked to several clients like that. And it's like, well, let's just get you singing in something, acquire anything for you to have that joy, that dream. Let's not worry about whether you're going to be Beyonce yet. But we squash our dreams. We tell ourselves it's not possible. When I had evidence that it is possible, right? One of the things I love about positive psychology is that it asks us to find evidence. So when you have a thought like, it's not possible to be a writer. It's not possible to be a singer. It's not possible to make money doing that. I was sitting in Barnes and Noble with all these people who had books on shelves. It was obviously possible. Somebody was making money at it. Somebody was out there doing it. So when I got divorced the first time, I had so many stories, so many stories about our marriage. You know, one story of when I was cooking and he was in the living room watching TV and I was just so angry that I was cooking and playing the role of dutiful wife while he just got to sit there and watch TV and I was eating raisins while I was cooking, munching on the raisins and watching him and furious and furious and furious until I walked over to him. I took a handful of the raisins and I threw it at him. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm like a raisin abuser. Okay. (laughs) But I had so many stories. Or like when I decided to get a divorce, I drove over to my grandfather's house and I sat down with him and we had nice conversation. And then I said, grandpa, I have to tell you something. Mike and I are getting a divorce. And he stared at me for a long time, silent, just staring. My stomach started to churn, like, oh, my God, this is my grandfather who has a gun collection. What is going to happen? (laughs) I was, like, starting to feel a little ill. And then he got a little smile on his face, a little smirk, and he said to me, well, the only thing we'll have to figure out is of the long line of men who are going to want to date you and marry you, which one we're going to say okay to. (laughs) It was so sweet. And then he wanted to give me a gift and he looked around his house and he couldn't figure out what to give me as a gift. And it had just been Passover. And so there was a box of matzah sitting there, a box of matzah. Like I only eat matzah during Passover because I have to. And he hands me the box of matzah and it was like the sweetest gift I had ever been given. It was a nod of approval and acknowledgement and love It was permission, and it was telling me that I was a gift and I was going to be okay. So I had all these stories, and at the same time, I had no friends who were going through divorce. My first husband and I actually decided to get a divorce the day after one of my best friends got engaged, and the day before, the other one was getting married. And that's what it is to get divorced at 26. And so On the day of one of my friend's marriage, the day after, right, I had to beg my husband and say, come to this wedding, fake it, please, because she doesn't know. I wasn't going to bother her in the middle of her wedding planning, you know, the last week of her wedding planning. I wasn't going to bother her with that Mike and I were getting a divorce. So I begged him to come. And then I was signing the marriage certificate. I was her matron of honor. And one of the things in Judaism is we, we make these very elaborate, beautiful pieces of artwork 
of our marriage licenses in Hebrew. We put them on the wall as a piece of artwork. Josh and I have one. As soon as you walk in our house, you would see it's called a ketubah. It's our Jewish marriage license. And whoever is your witness in signing, their signature is on your wall forever. And as her matron of honor, I was signing her ketubah, her marriage license. And it's this beautiful piece of artwork. And so when the rabbi handed me a pen to sign, I suddenly had a moment, what name do I sign? Because I had taken my husband's last name, but I knew I was going to switch back to my maiden name. And my maiden name is Rockhind. But the bride didn't know that I was getting a divorce. And so I was in this conundrum. What do I do? And I just scribbled something. And then the rabbi said, are you a doctor? Because your, your handwriting is like, you know, atrocious. And I will always remember it. So these are the stories that came out of young divorce. And during that time, because I had no friends who were going through divorce, I started to search online. Is there anyone I could talk to? And I found this message board on iVillage. Like, this is before blogs. This is before podcasts. This is before YouTube. This is before anyone got divorced, okay? (laughs) Before younger people got divorced. I found this message board on iVillage called Divorced and Under 30. And I was like, ooh, what's that? So I started lurking and reading these other women's stories and that there were women just like me who had married their college sweetheart or married young and then were feeling empty and lost and like it wasn't working out. And it was a beautiful, safe support group. So I started lurking and then I started sharing my own story. And then I started responding to women's stories. And there was no purpose girl at the time. This is almost 20 years ago. I had a corporate career. It was totally different. But that was the moment I actually became purpose girl because I started responding to every single one of the women there and telling them we're going to make it through. We're going to be okay. Let's find the optimism. Let's find the gratitude. Like, what's our purpose here? Like, I was so on it. They made me the leader of the board. Okay. (laughs) And I started sharing all these stories. And what kept coming to me and people telling me, you've got to write a book. And there was my dream. Yes, I've got to turn these stories into a book. And so I did. The manuscript was called Divorced, Hot, and Under 30. I'd written several chapters. Then I went on a blind date with this guy. And I started talking to him about how I've written this book. And he said, oh, one of my good friends is a major agent. I'll hook you up. I was like, what? This is amazing. He hooks me up with this agent who's at William Morris, which is a huge talent agency out of LA. It was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. This is amazing. And the agent takes my call. He takes my manuscript. He calls me the next day and he said, Karen, you are such a good writer, but I can't publish this. It's too much of your own story. I was crushed. And I was crying and I felt so stupid in my own story. Now, this is before Eat, Pray, Love and before the memoir became the hottest thing. And at the time I was 29 and I wish I had just kept at it because just around then Eat, Pray, Love was almost about to come out. And just about then the memoir was about to take off. I wish I had tried to find other agents or other publishers, but I didn't. But instead, I let that one rejection just make me believe that it was never going to be possible. And then I went to Barnes & Nobles shortly thereafter, and I saw another book about young divorce. And I sat on the floor and I cried again that my idea was already gone and already taken. Now, again, if I knew then what I know now, yeah, there are lots of books about divorce. It's okay if there's another one. <laughs> you can have your own. It's okay. But I didn't know that then. I was so much younger And it was before Purpose Girl and before Positive Psychology and before all of that. And then I just started convincing myself I didn't really want to be a writer anyway. I didn't really want to publish a book. Who did I think I am? 
ah, forget it. My company, I can apply for a promotion. I can get a bigger job. I could move companies. I even said to myself, I can get a boyfriend and get married again. I'd been on a date with somebody that I was not into at all, like literally sat at the table with my arms folded. And I thought, well, that guy was kind of cute. And he was an attorney. He makes good money. He drove a BMW convertible. Yeah. Okay. I'll be with him. Literally, that was the thought in my brain. And so I called him up. And I remember that night at the end of the date, I gave him a kiss and indicated to him that I wanted to be with him. And so we dated and even moved in together for like two years. I painted and redecorated his whole house. I cut my hair in a way that I never would because he was into shorter hair. I I did so many things. I lost myself completely. It was so the wrong relationship for me. One of my best friends couldn't even stand to be around him because of how he treated me. It wasn't his fault. It was that I allowed it because it was being with him and squashing my dream instead of my own truth. And the only thing that woke me up was that we went ring shopping to get married and I felt sick to my stomach and realized I cannot do this. Of course, that's for a totally different podcast episode and a totally different story. But that was the length I went to to squash my dream. And I want you to think about, have you gone to any lengths to squash your dream? One of my coaching clients had had a dream of traveling the world. Right out of college, she wanted to go travel. She wanted to find different jobs that she could do in different foreign countries. She would waitress here. She would work on a boat there. She had it all worked out. She was so excited to spread her wings and fly. And her parents said to her, "Uh, no, you're not going to do that. You're the oldest of four. And you are the role model for your brothers and sisters. So that's not going to happen. She was so crushed. And so she ended up going on and getting an accounting job and marrying the guy that she wasn't really into. And then 20 years later, found me as her coach. And we brought back out her dream of being free and flying. And yeah, she couldn't then just go be totally free. She had four kids. But we did get her to Italy on a retreat. We did get her to start traveling. We did get her to start spreading her wings. And so we do this, right? Many of us do this. We squash our dreams because someone else has told us what is or isn't possible. Because we didn't have the courage or the belief in ourselves to stand up and have that inner knowing, no, this is meant to happen. And I don't blame any of our younger selves. We were too young. We didn't know. But this is why any of you who are younger who listen to the Purpose Girl podcast, if you're in your teenage years or your 20s, like, girlfriend, yes, well done listening to this so that we can get you on your dreams now and not squashing them because someone somewhere said you can't make money at it or it's not possible or it's stupid or it's ridiculous. Heck to the no, we're not doing that. So there I was having broken up with this guy that I almost married again, (laughs) another lawyer, another golf shirt. (laughs) Now there's anything wrong with lawyers or golf shirts, but it was like a pattern clearly in my life that wasn't working. And what kept coming to me was my dream of publishing a book. What was coming to me was my dream of being purpose girl and empowering people. And then what came to me was a huge amount of shame for not pursuing it. Right? Does any of you have any of you felt that way? That shame of not pursuing what you know is yours and what feels true to you? 
because you squashed it down, because you convinced yourself you didn't want it. So fast forward, you know the story of how I ended up going to graduate school, getting my master's degree in positive psychology. If you don't know that story, go back and listen to episodes one and two and three. And during graduate school, I decided what I was going to do, I had to write a master's thesis that was 30 pages. And I decided I was actually going to write a manuscript for a book. So I wrote a thesis that was 100 pages. My advisor knew this is going to be a book. And she told others, she told the head of my program, this is going to be a book. Other people read it. They were like, this is going to be an amazing book. It was all about how to live your purpose. Right out of grad school, I hired a writing coach. I took a publishing class like, oh, this is going to happen. Yes. And then I tried to get an agent and I couldn't. And then I was like, well, I don't, I got to make money. I got to figure out how to start a business. I needed to, you know, do something else. So I focused on coaching, which I love. I'm so happy I focused on coaching because it gives me so much more experience to be able to write the books I want. I'm so happy that it gives me that opportunity to speak to you. But the yearning to write a book never went away. And so a few years later, just a couple of years ago, my dear friend, Louisa Jewell, who was my guest on episode four, she wrote an incredible book called Wire Your Brain for Confidence. And she's also a positive psychology teacher and speaker. And she said to me, Karen, you have to write this book on purpose. Like your work is so good. People need this because it's part of the positive psychology curriculum that she and I both teach through the Certificate in Applied Positive Psychology program. She's like, you have, to, you have to write this book. So she actually gave me free coaching. She sat me down. She helped me work on my book proposal. She helped me brainstorm where I was going to find an agent. I went out to friends who had published books. I said, would you be willing to introduce me to your agent? Like, this is just two years ago, okay? I was like on fire. I'm finally going to make this dream come true. I got an agent. Actually, two agents said that they would work with me. I chose one. She and I worked on my book proposal for maybe three, four months. We honed it. We honed it. We honed it. And then she sent out a synopsis to 20 publishers. Okay, this is in 2018. She sent a synopsis to about 20 publishers. 14 of them came back and said, I want more. This is great. Love it. Oh, my God. She said, 14, we're getting a deal for sure. I don't know how big the deal will be. I don't know how big your advance will be, but we're getting a deal. I mean, 14 publishers. I was like, oh, my God, my dream's about to come true. I was crying. I was in tears. Like, this is going to happen. This is really going to happen. And then one by one, Purpose Girls my rejection letters started coming in. Some of the publishers said that purpose had been too done, overdone before. Some said, a good number of them, said I wasn't big enough. I didn't have a big enough audience. Some just didn't explain at all why they were rejecting me. They just rejected me. And at first it hurt so bad. I felt so stupid. I felt like such a failure. I felt like a fraud, like I could never tell you guys to follow your dreams if mine wasn't coming true. I felt horrible. But somewhere around rejection letter eight or nine, I started to shift. And I started to think of J.K. Rowling and how 12 publishers rejected Harry Potter. And those people, I don't know, they probably were fired now, given what Harry Potter has become. I started thinking about Liz Gilbert, my favorite, one of my sheroes, who is the author of Eat, Pray, Love and Big Magic and City of Girls and how she writes in Big Magic about getting rejected and how every rejection letter was an invitation to try again. She's like, oh, yeah, you're going to reject me? Okay, I'll send out one more inquiry. 
oh, you're going to reject me? I'll send out one more query letter. Like she used it as fuel. And I took inspiration from these women who had at first been told, no, you're not publishing. And I said to myself, I don't know how, but it's going to happen. Maybe not this book, maybe a different book. I've got three, four, five book ideas. It's going to happen. And then those publishers, they're going to eat their words that they didn't take me. And then Josh and I dove into the fertility process. We started the IVF process and it kind of took over our lives. And I shared a few episodes ago that the process wasn't really working well for us, that kept having complications. We were $40,000 in debt. And then at the same time, I had a real estate deal fall through. I just explained all this a few weeks ago on a different episode. But basically, it was last summer and things were pretty awful. I felt pretty helpless. And that's when I always know I need to do something powerful for myself. I need to do something to shake myself up. I need to do something to rise as a goddess on purpose. And I went to Burning Man. Now, I've done episodes on Burning Man, so I'm not going to get into it here. But I will tell you that I rose up as such a phoenix, such a goddess, standing in my power, not letting any publisher or any fertility process tell me if I was or was not a goddess, standing in my knowing, being free, being fun, feeling my fierceness, feeling fabulous, dancing my butt off, going to workshops, just being naked, being free. I felt amazing. I burned, literally at Burning Man, you burn so much. So I burned old stories about not being good enough or not being capable. I would talk to the goddess every day. Goddess, I am meant to write books. Goddess, I am meant to be a mother. Goddess, I am meant to have a baby. Goddess, I am meant to travel the world. Goddess, I am meant to speak on stages. Goddess, I am meant for Purpose Girl to become a global movement where every woman rises up in her purpose. I am meant for this. This is meant to happen. And I stood in it and I believed it. And would you believe that maybe two, three weeks after Burning Man, the publisher of my new book contacted me? I didn't send out a query letter. I didn't have an agent. They contacted me and they said, we've been following what you do. You're awesome. Have you ever thought about writing a quote book? Now, that wasn't the kind of book that I had been trying to write, right? I've been, and still will, you are going to see me write about being a goddess on purpose and the process for that. You're going to see me write about how to turn any pain into purpose and how to grow from every trauma. You're going to see all of that. But the truth is that I had gone into little boutiques or paper source or papyrus and seen those cute little books. And I had thought that would be so fun to write at some point. That'd be so fun to do. Oh, I could do a ton of these. The truth is I keep so many books like that on my shelf. I open them up for inspiration or for Oracle or for telling me what to do with the day. The truth is I love books like that. I use them. I keep them in my bathroom. I keep them by my nightstand. I keep them in my office. I read them. I buy them when I go to those little boutiques. I give them out as gifts. And I had thought of writing them before. I hadn't given it as much credence as writing the other books. But I am telling you, goddess, I'm telling you my purpose, girl. When you have a dream and you put it out in the universe, it's going to come to you. So when she said, we want to pay you to write a quote book, I mean, I almost thought, I was like, is this a joke? Who set you up to this? Is this, you know, like candid camera? What is this? And I had to look up the company. Is this real? Are they really going to pay me for this? I'd never heard of this model. Sure enough, they're very real. True publisher, as is clear now because I have my published book. 
And they gave me an editorial team to work with. And they gave me an amazing illustration team that took every single quote and turned it into a gorgeous piece of artwork that someone actually told me they're going to cut out different quotes, put them in frames and put them all over their house. Josh and I are planning on doing the same thing in the baby's room, taking a few of the quotes and making artwork out of it. I mean, it is a beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous, inspiring, fun little book. And it's mine. And I have that published book. And it came out this week. And here's the thing. Had I ever really, quote unquote, planned on writing quote books? No. Was it fun? Was there something inside me that had wanted to do it from all the times I had been to paper source and boutiques and picked up those books and bought them and given them as gifts? Yeah. Another truth of mine is I kept knowing I will have a baby after I birth a book baby. I knew it. A book baby has to come first. It was my biggest dream. I just knew it. And so, of course, the offer came through and the publishing date is a few months before my due date for my baby. Of course. So this is what I want you to take away. You may not know exactly how your dream is going to happen. You may not know. In fact, you won't know exactly what it's going to look like. But you must stay steadfast in your dream and your vision. We know from research that when you have a clear vision of something and you feel it in your body, the feeling it is very important. When you feel it in your body and you have the vision in your mind, your brain actually believes that it has already happened. And when your brain believes that something has happened, what it does is it creates strategies for it to be real. It's how the brain works. It's called confirmation bias. It's a brain mechanism. It's how it works. It's evolutionary. So there was a research study done that showed that there was an 88% overlap in brain activity in regions of the brain that became active when visualizing something and when it actually happened in reality. 88% overlap in brain activity. That is proof that the brain does not know the difference. And there are a number of different studies that back up the power of visualization. A research study was done with athletes at a university where they were broken up into a few groups. One group actually did hip flexor exercises. One group was told to think about doing hip flexor exercises, and one group was a control group. And what they actually found after two weeks of this training in one of these groups is that those who did the hip flexor exercises had a 28% increase in strength. Those who thought about, visualized doing the hip exercises actually had a 24% increase in strength. I mean, 24%, almost the same. Now, I'm not telling you you can just visualize exercise and you're going to see the weight come off, but maybe you will because the brain believes it's actually true. So what actually starts happening is that Your brain believes that you have actually strengthened that muscle. And so it probably works harder to build that muscle while you're walking or doing other things. And so if you visualize that you are fitting into those old skinny leather pants, that you are hot on a date, even if you don't actually try to do anything, your brain will probably start taking actions to get there. So this is the power of visualization. It's why most, if not all, professional athletes 
do visualization of the golf course, of the putting range, or if you watch the Olympics, you can see right before an athlete skis down a hill, they make the movements, they see it, they see themselves doing it so that they can do it perfectly. There is something here to believing, visualizing your dream that it actually happens. So your job, Purpose Girls, is to stay steadfast in that visualization. I never wavered from seeing my name on the binding of a book. Never wavered. And so what I want you to do is to never waver. This is what we call womanifesting. So most people know the term manifesting, and it seems, maybe it seems woo-woo to you, or how is that possible? Or you've read the book, The Secret. Come on, you can't just think about a blue Mercedes, and then a blue Mercedes shows up at your door. Actually, you're right. That actually probably will not happen. But here's what will happen. If you are so steadfast in your desire for a blue Mercedes, what will start to happen is that when you're walking down the street, you will notice more blue Mercedes. And then you will get so excited about the blue Mercedes. Oh, my God, they're everywhere. Oh, my God, look at that blue Mercedes. Look at that blue Mercedes. That you're starting to juice up your brain. And then your brain activates with hope theory, where your brain actually starts to think of strategies to have that blue Mercedes come into fruition. And so you aren't, might not even be aware that your brain is coming up with strategies and motivation where maybe you start thinking of new business ideas that suddenly give you enough money to get that blue Mercedes, or your brain starts to imagine different ways of the blue Mercedes coming to you. So that the next thing you know, a friend of yours is mentioning that they have a blue Mercedes or their cousin has a blue Mercedes for sale, and boom, you quote unquote manifest it. Now, there is an energetic component and a brain component. The brain component is when you think about something so much and you really believe this is meant to happen, this is happening. Act as if it has already happened. Your brain kicks in something called confirmation bias that starts to see it everywhere. Like when I wanted to get pregnant, I swear to God, every single person at Whole Foods was pregnant. The men, the women, everyone was pregnant. <laughs> no, seriously, like all the women were pregnant at Whole Foods. And I would say to Josh, did you notice how everybody at Whole Foods was pregnant? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> right? Because even though he wanted a baby, he wasn't thinking about the pregnancy. But your brain has this mechanism called confirmation bias that actually starts to see more of it, focuses in on. Were there actually more pregnant people? No. It's just that I noticed them more because it was a deep desire and a belief that I held. Right now, I'm noticing more strollers because I'm picking a stroller. So this is how the brain works. You notice it more when you're thinking about it. Then the brain kicks in with how to. And you might not even be aware. It might be happening subconsciously. Now, here's where energy kicks in. We know that all of our thoughts, all of our words carry incredible energy and that all matter originally started as energy. Bear with me for a minute. Einstein said E equals MC squared. Energy equals matter. And so it is energy that had the thought to create a microphone as I am sitting in front of right now. Someone was thinking of it and maybe had struggled with how to do a podcast or how to, you know, bring equipment into the home. And then that started becoming an idea that started becoming a prototype that started becoming an actual microphone. And so energy actually becomes things. 
Now, energetically, we also know like energy attracts like energy, right? There are scientific experiments on this. And so when you think about something, energetically, you will attract it into your space. That's why if you're sometimes thinking of a friend and they call you and it's like, whoa, how did that happen? Or one of my coaching clients just texted me today, I know what I want to do. My first step, I am going to do a podcast and it's going to be about this and it's going to be about that and it's going to be amazing, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, yes, you'd be so great at that. We were texting back and forth. And then she texted me back. She said, you will never believe this, but we already have a microphone. Because her three-year-old son loves singing and dancing into a microphone and her husband bought him a microphone not knowing that it was a great podcasting microphone. Of course. Right. So these kinds of things, energetically, we attract in. And you might think of the, your own synchronicities in your own life. Someone calls when you're thinking about them. Or before I met Josh, I had a vision in a dream one day of a guy with long salt and pepper hair riding a motorcycle. And then I go on my first date with Josh, and he's got longer salt pepper hair. And at the end of the date, he's like, you want to ride home? And he points to his motorcycle. I'm like, huh? Right? All those kind of synchronicities. I can't tell you how many times I go, I can't make this shit up. I can't make this shit up, right? Like a couple of my friends and I, we will just say that to each other. I can't make this up. I can't make up that a book publisher contacted me out of nowhere. I can't make this stuff up. That's energy. Now, the energy must begin with you having a clear dream. So you have this clear dream. You have the steadfast belief. And then you pour emotion into it. The feminine is that we lather our dreams in desire and in joy. We nurture our dreams like little babies with love, with compassion. We celebrate our dreams. One day this is going to happen. I know it. We feel it. We dance to it. We hang on to it within the feminine like you would a mother with a baby or you would if you were a dancer on stage. Like you really pour the emotion into it. And then you let go of exactly what it has to look like. So many women who say that they want a partner, I'll say, okay, what do you want in a partner? Well, I want him to be tall and I want him to be good looking and he needs to make this amount of money and he needs, and those are great, like great for your desires. Awesome. Let's hold that dream. Let's really pour the emotion. But how do we pour the emotion and the juice on it? I always ask them, and how do you want to feel in that relationship? Like, let's get into the feeling. Do you want to feel adored? Do you want to feel cherished? Do you want to feel wet kisses all over you? Do you want to feel like someone is just holding you in their eyes? Do you want to feel respected? And what does that mean? Like, we got to get into the feelings. And then we let go of the exact form that it has to come in. Because we want those feelings. We want the overall essence when I saw a man in that longer feathery hair on a motorcycle, I didn't expect that he would be shorter than me or that he would have a son. And I had to really work through some of those is, you know, are these things I'm okay with? It took time. Do I want to be a stepmom? I don't want to be a stepmom. What is that like? I mean, I really took the time. The essence was there. The essence of what I was womanifesting. And the essence of what I was womanifesting with this book was there. And so this is a key to womanifesting. We actually let go of the exact form 
but you hang on to that essence of being treated like a queen, maybe the essence of being taken out and spoiled and loved. You hang on to that essence and you feel it as if it's already happened. And you also let go of the timing. Interesting thing about the feminine, she has her own timing and it might be a lot slower than yours. And that's where we want to come in and say all in perfect and divine timing. One of my mentors, Regina Thomashauer, says, your timing is perfect and elegant. But we get so like, oh, it has to happen now. It has to happen now. We get, it has to happen in this way. It has to look this way. But we actually want to let go of that and attract in the essence, the believing. And part of being in the feminine is being in the place of inspiration and knowing and not have to push, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And I guarantee you, sisters, I mean, the last day of Burning Man, I said to the goddess, goddess, I had like 10 new coaching clients. I want three of them to come to me for sensuality work, stuff I wasn't even doing at the time. Sure enough, without one bit of marketing, 10 clients came in, three for sensuality work. I hung on to that essence. Now, ultimately, what if it had been eight or 11? Cool. We let go of the form, but we hang on to the essence, the desire, the dream. And so since putting out my book, I've had a couple people email me, how do I get published? Now, I can tell you the traditional way to get published, which I intend to embark on again with a couple of other of my book ideas. And I can tell you that it may happen in other ways. A few years ago, someone at HarperCollins contacted me out of nowhere. They're one of the biggest book publishers in the world. She said, I've been following you. Have you ever thought about writing a book? I mean, I said, Josh, did you write this? Like, is this a joke? You've been following me? And I said, have I ever thought about writing a book? It's my biggest dream. And she and I talked and ultimately my audience wasn't big enough. But I was like, I can't make this shit up. I've wanted to write a book and then someone from HarperCollins contacts me. Just like here, this book publisher contacted me. I can't make this up. If you really start paying attention to your life, the same thing will happen to you. One of my clients was finally acknowledging her deep desire to teach workshops. I was like, how am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? And she and I got into the energy and the essence of it in our coaching session. And 10 minutes later, a company contacted her and said, have you ever thought about doing a workshop? Boom. I can't make this up. How does that happen? I wish I could explain quantum physics and energy, and that is not my area of expertise. What I can tell you is that it works, but you have to actually really believe it. You have to stay steadfast in that dream and allow the time. And then what you have to do is you have to continue to put your truth out there doing whatever you can. It's like, have you ever heard the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, or you have to put your toe in the water in order to swim the mile, right? It's like, if you put your toe in the water, you will be taken the rest of the way, but you have to put your toe in the water. And what that looks like, Purpose Girls, is if you have a dream of writing, then write, write in your journal, write on Facebook, write a blog. HarperCollins found me because they we're looking for inspirational speakers and writers. And they found my blog. They found my newsletter. They followed me for a while. But if I had not been consistent with my newsletters, if I had not been consistent with my writing, they wouldn't have contacted me. The same is true of this publisher. They were looking for someone in positive psychology who was filled with aliveness and joy and a little bit of sass and edge. So I had to be putting myself out and putting myself out. 
I didn't know that that's why I was putting myself out. And it's not why I was putting myself out, but we have to put our toes in the water. And so if you want to sing, you need to be singing, singing in the shower, singing in the car. Sing if there is an online choir group that you could join right now. That is how you create the energy of womanifesting. You pour the energy on and then you get into the doing, but the doing from joy. If you wanted to start a business, you don't have to know exactly how. We can't know every step of how. Often, the best we can know is what's the first next step. But you can be researching. You can be reading about it. You can be jotting down different ideas. You have to put your toe in the water and you have to show up because if I had not shown up consistently as that sassy, fun, joyful writer, the publisher wouldn't have found me. So whatever your dream is, can you sit there at home and just think one day someone's going to find you as Beyonce? No, I used to just beg, pray, please have someone contact me. Please have someone knock on my door and say that they want to give me Oprah's job. Please, 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 please. Okay, doesn't work like that. I actually have to go out and do the podcast. I have to go out and do the videos. I have to get out there. And then the more I'm out there, the more people will see me and somebody will say, yeah, I want you on my radio show. And that's exactly what happens. Someone just contacted me to write for this incredible positive psychology journal that has like 100,000 followers. Someone else just heard of an opportunity to do resilience workshops for a group during coronavirus. And because I'm constantly out there talking about resilience and bouncing back, she contacted me. So we have to be putting ourselves out there. Whatever the dream is, you have to be doing it consistently a bit, bit, bit. And then the dream is going to happen. It's going to come to you in a way that you couldn't have even imagined. So purpose power tips I want you to take away. One, I want you to get clear on your dreams. If you've squashed them, what they were, really, what do you desire? Don't worry if it's practical, right? Like my client who wanted to travel the world and now she has four kids and everything else. It's not practical. We still figured out ways for her to go travel on her own without her kids. Okay, so don't worry if it's practical. Get clear on the dream. Number two, hold steadfast vision with feeling. Pour the feeling on that it's going to happen. You don't know when. You don't know how. You don't have to. Don't worry about that. Let the universe and let energy do its work in woman manifesting. Your job is to hold the belief, hold the knowing, and pour the delicious energy all over it, the feeling, the acting as if. Pour the juice, dance to it, sing to it, nurture it, feel it. Number three, do take whatever steps you can think of toward it. It might end up looking totally different like my book, but you take the steps toward it. In fact, what's so interesting about this workshop that I'm going to be doing during coronavirus, I literally, for the last three weeks, have been saying, I'm going to reach out to my speaking clients and see if they need someone to talk about resilience and working through stress to their employees because everybody's so stressed out right now. And so I've been thinking of it literally just yesterday, Josh and I made a list of the people we were going to send the email to. And today he sent out 10 of those emails. And the 10 haven't come through yet. Hopefully they will. But this other one came to me, right? So I was doing everything I could think of. And then the universe and energy gets to do the rest. So that is what I want you to do because that is womanifesting. Goddess, you are born for everything that you have ever desired. You are a goddess on purpose. That's who we are, purpose girls. That's who we are. Whether it's coronavirus, whether you are going through something 
challenging, no matter what. When you have a dream, it's meant to happen. And in fact, we will never have a time like coronavirus again, where you can't go do errands, where the entire globe has stopped. You will never have another time like this where the entire globe has stopped and therefore you can actually pause and reflect and spend that time getting clear on your dreams and clear on who you are and your purpose. We will never have this kind of time again. It is happening for us. And I guarantee your soul came into this world knowing that coronavirus was going to happen and that now is going to be your time to rise. And that everything in your life, you've been training for this moment. All that you've overcome, all the resilience you've built, all the courage, all the ideas that you have, all the dreams inside of you, you actually were training and building up for this moment. And so no matter what you're going through in life, let this be a moment where you rise up. As a goddess on purpose, you go after your dreams because every dream is possible. Let my book be a reminder. And if you need the physical reminder, girlfriend, go get the book. What are you waiting for? There is a link in the show notes. It is available on Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Amazon, Indigo in Canada, a million places. Go get the book. It is so fun. It is so beautiful. The illustrators did an incredible job. And it will give you that daily boost of inspiration, of spunk, of motivation, of fun, of self-compassion, of self-love that you need right now. It's almost like keeping me in your pocket or keeping me by your bedside. So I hope you go and you get wonderful you. I hope you love it and enjoy it and let it be a physical reminder that every dream is not only possible, but that it's meant to happen. And it might not come the way you think it's going to, but it will happen. And your dream is meant to happen too. And so with that, my purpose girl, I hope you have loved this episode. If you have, of course, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave your five-star review. It takes one sentence to have more women find us around the world. If you want a workshop for your company and you're like, oh my God, we could so use this about resilience and bouncing back, reach out to me, go to purposegirl.com, reach out to me and my team, and we would be happy to do something for you and your employees. If you haven't yet joined the Purpose Girls Facebook group, I am doing a lot in there right now to keep us all going and positive. Now is our time. And of course, the number one thing you want to make sure that you do to be the first to know about workshops I'm doing, upcoming events, sisterhood circles I'm doing, and to get weekly tips and tools, you want to join the Purpose Girl newsletter. Go over to PurposeGirl.com and sign up. Joining community, getting that newsletter, sharing the Purpose Call podcast, that is how we change the world one woman at a time. And with that, my loves, may you live purposefully, may you love yourself, and may you love life. Bye for now.